0: At the risk of stating the obvious, we have a long way to go before this economy is out of the woods, and there are a few hurdles that may stand in the way. Here's what matters.
1: Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin.
0: And I'm Robert Sarenbent.
1: And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments.
0: In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, We'll share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions.
1: That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners.
0: And by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors.
1: Welcome, everybody. It's the week of November 9, 2020. And with much more clarity on the presidential election, today we try to look ahead for future market catalysts.
0: Uh, You mean like the big vaccine announcement we got this morning?
1: Yeah, exactly like that. I think, you know, with the election out of the way, what the markets are going to be focused on are, well, first of all, of course, the real policy changes that the election might bring. But then also the same things we've been talking about for the past several months, which is the path of the virus and whether the new government, the new policy, can fix it. So yeah, this um, this vaccine news could be important for the markets. But I don't know. Do you think, Robert, that this was the announcement? Uh, you know, this is the the news we were hoping for, and now we can start looking to the end of of the virus pandemic regime in the markets?
0: Yes and no. Yes, because these efficacy results are very promising. It shows that a vaccine can be effective in eradicating the virus. No, because there's a lot more things we need to learn along the way. Most importantly, the safetyness of the vaccine. And we also need to learn about how it will be distributed among the population and what that timeline really looks like.
1: Okay. So... Super positive news, very exciting, but not necessarily definitive yet. So how then do we think about other market catalysts moving forward?
0: Well, it's just clear that some uncertainty is going to be around for a while. Election uncertainty is going to persist for some time and other uncertainties will be around as well. And it depends a lot on what's largely out of control, like legal disputes, runoffs, recounts, and the organization of government.
1: Okay, well, with respect to the election itself, because I agree with you, we do have some uncertainty moving forward, not only because of the presidential results and legal battles, but also the congressional results, right? We have this runoff in Georgia that will take place on January 5th a couple of things for investors to recognize related to these election uncertainties. The first is that the electoral system can handle this. In fact, I think the the fact that you know it took a couple of days longer than normal to get a result, but we did get a clear result. That's pretty good news for market stability. And again, just a reassurance that the electoral system can handle this type of uncertainty.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Democracy has prevailed so far. What is the second thing then that you're thinking about in terms of the election results?
1: Oh, well, it's it, it's clear that a strong blue wave scenario isn't happening. You know, it's, it's possible if Democrats win both of the runoff seats in Georgia that they could have a 50-50 split in the Senate. And with Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote, that is a majority. But it's a um, it's a, a fragile majority in the sense that, you know, big sweeping changes in fiscal spending, in tax policy, certainly, those types of things just become less likely.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And so far, the market has taken that as a positive. But I can't help but think that divided government somehow poses a potential risk, particularly for the unemployed people in the economy and the small businesses that would be dependent on more help from the government so far.
1: Yeah. You know, the market seems to be reacting to the positive news related to, you know, no big redistributive policy changes. So the taxes, the regulation, that type of thing. But it does beg the question, when will investors start to focus on the other side of that, the lack of policy support, the real economy risk?
0: Mm-mm. Well, so far, October economic data has looked pretty good. And again, all this data is backward looking, but there were three big bright spots that I noticed, which were housing, business surveys, and employment and consumer spending. You know, more jobs were added, the housing market's really strong, and businesses are reporting that they're seeing new orders come in. I'm not sure this captures the whole story, uh, and it definitely doesn't capture the future, as I said.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a good point, though, that ourselves and most investors have over the course of the summer and heading into the fall suggested that the economic rebound was likely to slow, that the easy part of the recovery is over. And what we saw is that even into, you know, the middle of October, things were still going pretty well. That's good news, especially, again, for sort of the main street real economy type of dynamic. But I, I think it's important just to mention here that first of all, the level of economic activity that we are at is still substantially below that of the beginning of the year. And so the economy isn't back to where it was. And also with COVID case rates and hospitalizations rising really rapidly, we're starting to see some of that positive news turn over in the fast moving data. So small business employment, et cetera, um, rolling over. And a lame duck Congress in Washington might make it tough to get the type of support we would need to see an improvement there. Mm.
0: Okay, so I agree. We just heard from Fed Chairperson Jay Powell last week, who seems to be the only reasonable steward of the economy these days. What did he have to say about all this?
1: Well, this is a bright spot with respect to policy in that um, we can almost ignore um, Fed conferences, although you know I would never. (laughs) But the the message for the economy from the Fed is that they are absolutely there to support, uh, might even pick up quantitative easing purchases if uh, we start to see economic growth uh, turning over again. But much as we're describing, the risks to the real economy are are there. They're real. And the Fed has tools to help keep markets stable, but doesn't have spending powers the way Congress would. And, and so that m- remains a key talking point uh, for Chair Powell in these meetings is that we need some real economy boost, not just financial economy boost.
0: Mm, that's really interesting. I also noticed in his remarks that he brought up COVID-19 cases. We spoke a few weeks back about the bad trajectory of COVID cases. And while we did get good results on a vaccine, the trajectory that we had talked about appears to be coming true. And it's going to be a long winter. It took eight months for new cases to reach 100,000, but it'll only take three weeks. So just before Thanksgiving, before we're recording about 200,000 cases per day, if we continue on this trajectory. And this might scare people into their homes and could hammer small businesses and employment.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I would never. I don't want people to be afraid. You know, we'd all prefer that this virus were not part of our economic story, but what we're seeing are hospitalization rates that are surpassing even the first wave of COVID cases. So this is this is serious. And we also have folks who have been, you know, trying to be more careful for eight months, and COVID fatigue is real. But in some of the cases where we've seen broader shutdowns as a result of this resurgence in cases, like in Europe, those case levels are starting to to roll back. So you know it, it, it might take this resurgence in cases and, and the severity of the environment that we're seeing to prompt more fiscal activity. If we do have to start to roll back some of the freedoms we've enjoyed over the course of the summer, maybe that changes Congress's mind. Maybe that gets some of the support that we need, which would be, again, you don't want bad news to mean good news, but could provide that support for the economy and, and for markets as well.
0: Well, with that note on the tricky balancing act between a health crisis and a potential economic crisis and the policy used to work against it, I think we should stop and do our portfolio pause, a section of the program where we share an investment idea. With fiscal policy in question, as I just said, and rapidly accelerating COVID cases, the investment theme seems clear. We are not out of the woods just
1: yet. Yeah, that's right. I'd say, you know, a lot of the things that investors generally are excited about for 2021, namely the expectation that we'll get some sort of medical solution for this virus, we're excited about those things too. So we're constructive on the market as a whole, but expect that we might see speed bumps in the meantime. And so as a result of that, uh, maybe a range bound, volatile market environment, investors should focus on making a resilient, portfolio. And one way to do that is to focus on generating income when you're not exactly sure where good news is going to come from.
0: Right. And generating income is very important in that environment. You can have those big up days like we saw this morning, but bonds still play a critical role of any investment strategy. Not only do they provide that stabilizing effect for a portfolio, but they provide investors income as a source of return. And now, the safest bonds, treasuries, admittedly, don't have that much income to them. They're not. They're not giving that much yield. But there are some segments of the fixed income market where an investor can pick up some extra yield. We just highly recommend using an active manager to ensure that you're not taking on, you know, some companies that aren't high quality.
1: Yeah, a focus on ensuring that you know, you're taking risk appropriate for the portfolio and for the environment. Taking that into equities then, um, investors are starting to look at what was working before the election, which is specifically quality and defense. When we have this uncertainty in the environment, you know, low economic growth expectations, low interest rates, investors flock to these types of securities. Um, that means that sectors that have relied on the expectation that we'd get strong fiscal spending So value stocks, small caps, or cyclical sectors, high yield, um, those are retreating in favor of those that benefit from lower rates, which is, again, the tech and consumer discretionary that's worked well over the summer. The only thing I'll say, though, is that as we've seen today with news on the vaccine, the positive story or the positive announcement that would shift markets back to one of cyclical outperformance that's going to be very difficult to time. And so we're using portfolio construction tactics, like an allocation to value stocks, for example, just to to allow us to participate in that upside when the announcement comes, because we just don't know, while within value, focusing on dividend payers. Um, Again, focusing on building income in the portfolio, creating a little bit of that resiliency in the face of so much uncertainty. Coming up next, well, uh, we're actually turning to focusing on our 2021 outlook, which we'll share a little bit more about in a few weeks. But it's uh, certainly an uncertain environment, and so we'll be continuing to monitor uh, these news around uh, medical developments, around policy developments, to try to get you a concise and clear answer for what 2021 might look like.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, very difficult time to write an outlook with so much uncertainty out there. Uh, I'll be looking at some details of more economic data. The University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Survey comes out on Friday this week, and that survey will help shed some light on the resilience of the U.S. consumer. So we talked before about how um, data held up pretty well in October. That's largely because we have a, a strong consumer. We look to a strong consumer into the future to help us muddle through this economic environment.
1: That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters.
0: Let us know what matters to you.
1: Yes. If you have questions or topic of interest, let us know on social media.
0: Lots of interesting stuff out there. So send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. And you can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com forward slash blog. Until then, I'm Robert
1: Sarenbetts. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. We look forward to hearing from you. podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.